Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw, going solo after a 95-80 to loss for the New York Knicks against the Oklahoma City Thunder. R.J. Barrett was fantastic with 26 points. Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin disappointed in a key opportunity to impress with Julius Randle and Kemba Walker out. We get into all that, plus your questions and comments. So all that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, and we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we are now available on all platforms, including, and you know this if you're looking at, my cherubic face, soon to be in 2022 on YouTube. Not, not that we're soon to be on YouTube in 2022. We've been on YouTube for a while, but soon my face in this video will be in 2022. Anyways, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And I am Gavin Shaw made easy, a play by play broadcaster, voraciously preparing for the Hoop Hall tournament, the biggest high school basketball tournament in the country. You can check that out on Flow Hoops from January 13th to January 17th. I will be broadcasting 16 games, so be sure to tune into that. My usual co-host is Alex Wolf. He is the editor-in-chief of the Greatest Six website out there, the Strickland. But unlike me, he has friends and he had stuff to do on New Year's Eve. So I am all by my lonesome. Unfortunately, this is not a game you want to talk about by yourself. Uh, as the Oklahoma City Thunder defeated the New York Knicks 95-80 to on their home floor. The Thunder were missing their head coach, Mark Dagnalt. They were missing their top assistant coach, I believe Dave Bliss. So they were down to a third-string coach. They're missing a number of key players. The New York Knicks had their full coaching staff intact, or excuse me, I think Johnny Bryant was out, but they had Tom Thibodeau. They had a couple of assistants. Uh, they were missing Julius Randle and Ob, uh, not Obi Toppin, and Kemba Walker. So the two, the two veteran fulcrums, the the two punching bags, Kemba in the first half of the year, Julius in the second half of the year. This team. Um, so the fans and yes, my, myself at points this season got what they wanted. And what did the New York Knicks get? A a bone crushing defeat after after toying with losing to subpar teams this last these last three games and, and managing to win all three of those games. The Knicks finally blew one against this Thunder team. And at a certain point, I think all of our lives will be easier if we just sort of accept that this is who the New York Knicks are, right? They're inconsistent. They're extremely flawed. Their strengths are confusing and change night to night. Their weaknesses, in, namely effort, consistent effort, are there seemingly constantly. And yet they're pretty much an average basketball team because they have just enough talent. They have just enough depth. They have just enough coaching. They have just enough fight on the right night, just enough fight on the right nights, just enough shooting on the right nights to get it done and get by. So they're, they're a middle of the road team. Let's just, let's just all sit with that. Let's, let's practice some, some radical acceptance 
and say, all right, that's who they are. I think this season will be a bit more fun for everyone if we if we can get there and and acknowledge that as many have failed to, maybe myself at times included, their problems go beyond Julius Randle. They go beyond Tom Thibodeau at times. This is just, this is a flawed roster. This is a, a flawed coach as pretty much every coach in the league is. This is, this is just sort of what it is. Um, you know, I guess I'm feeling a little philosophical going into 2022. Uh, but let's talk about the game itself. The Knicks were hot early, got out to a big lead. I was thinking, finally, uh, we're gonna just we're just gonna crush one of these bad teams. That did not happen as the Thunder buried the Knicks. The Thunder, the worst three-point shooting in the league, team in the league behind 18 three balls, 10 more than the Knicks ultimately made, outscored the Knicks by 30 points from distance. It was a 17 point lead or 16 point lead for the Thunder in the second half it was something like 70 to 54. The Knicks storm all the way back, cut it to 74 71 behind some good energy from the second unit, some mastery from RJ Barrett. Uh, and then, and then a heartbreaking sequence. Uh, Emmanuel quickly gets shoved in the back by a new Rochelle native as Mike Breen is, is want to point out about four or five times throughout the game, which I love. I love Mike Breen. I love Ty Jerome, um, except what he did to Emmanuel quickly, uh, probably an offensive foul, got the offensive rebound over him, kick out to Alexei Pokashevsky, who drains a, a gorgeous moon ball. The thunder go up by six. They never look back. They roll to victory. Uh, and this loss to me was defined by missing open shots offensively and just not quite having enough creative juice on the offensive end of the floor. And then defensively, uh, some really, really lazy basketball. There was a play highlighted by Tom Piccolo where RJ, it was, he got fouled. It was 80 to 71. I think RJ missed both free throws. Maybe, maybe made the second. I'm not sure. Um, and then Shea Gilgis Alexander again off. Oh no, he, he made the second free throw and Shea Gilgis Alexander off a made free throw is allowed to just sort of glide up the court. RJ, instead of sort of sitting back on his haunches, tries to take a foul, just completely whiffs. SGA gets all the way to the rim. Of course, there's no one at the rim because everyone's sort of half walking back easy layup. And, and that I agree with Tom, that play, I think sort of uh, epitomized the Knicks failings on that end. It was the reason the Thunder got so many threes is because there was, there was just easy penetration. They played with more verve. It was very, very reminiscent of the Pistons game and, and portions of the Timberwolves game where the other team just wanted it more than the Knicks. And tonight you, you didn't get to fall back on the excuse like, well, well, Julius has to play harder because Julius was not there. And the Knicks played the guys who allegedly play their butts off quite a bit of minutes. They played Miles McBride. Uh, he, he, well, he started this game, played 24 minutes. Uh, RJ Barrett played 36 minutes, Obi Toppin 27, Emmanuel quickly 26, right? Oh, Taj Gibson 23. Those are, those are nominally, I mean, those are the guys that I want, have wanted out there. Those are the guys that we collectively as a fan base have by and large wanted out there. And tonight they didn't quite do enough to warrant that sort of enthusiasm um, from an effort standpoint. Maybe, maybe that group was a little bit wiped from what they did against the Detroit Pistons, where they essentially had to carry the New York Knicks. This was the Knicks' third game in four nights. These guys are all, I think, I think sometimes what we forget in all this is is pretty much all these guys had COVID. And while it's not, it's not the equivalent, I, I assume, for most of these guys is having COVID last year, what that would have meant, but it's still being very sick, probably for, for a couple of days at the very least. They're still getting their win back. Three games and four nights is, is a tall task. I think that's why Tibbs really made an effort to uh, to delineate, not delineate, to uh, really, really split minutes in this game. R.J. Barrett, the only Nick who played over 27 minutes, 
So he he tried, but I think I think this was a case of, of real dead legs in Oklahoma City uh, not being in that situation and, and playing with a whole lot of verve led by Shea Gildas Alexander and some fantastic three point shooting. And to me, this result doesn't really have to be examined all that deeply beyond that, right? It's it's pretty simple. I mean, this this was this was just a very very tired Knicks team. Uh, R.J. Barrett though was fantastic in this game. He just had an he had an easy acceleration, right? An, an easy gas pedal that he's been missing pretty much this entire year. Uh, I mentioned it in in the prelude, but twenty six points, seven boards, three assists, two steals. One of eight from three, got to the foul line nine times, only made five of them, obviously, with a better night. One more made three. He hits 30 points, uh, but did go nine for 12 from two-point range, and that's that's what I want to focus on because that was that was the positive in this game. So why, why abandon it? And, again, it, I keep asking with RJ if he, if he was his five-star all-world prospect out of Canada, if he was a top-three pick. You expect that guy to have some athletic verve, and this year we just—it's it, been—it's been missing in action, um, it, with the exception of the first. I thought even the first couple games of the season—I'm not even talking about that 20-point stretch that he had where the five straight 20-point games. The first couple games of the season, I thought he showed a bit more juice, and then at moments during that 20-point stretch, and since then uh, again it would coincide with the time that he got that ongoing stomach issue, and, and then of course COVID. Um, he has lost that. This game he showed it uh, a lot. Uh, was it the competition or was it RJ? We will see that in time. But I, I thought he was, regardless of who was defending him, and at times it was Lou Dort, who's a really good defender, uh, I thought RJ was was moving a lot better in this game. And, and to me, that's that's what matters a lot. And the fact that, uh, yeah, they were they were going in matters a lot. Um, and, and he was doing a fantastic job. I mean, he was driving with the intent of scoring and then showing off the ability to namely set up Mitchell Robinson uh, when when that option was cut off, but he threw some fantastic passes. The initial lob to Mitch, a one-handed laser to Obi Toppin. Some of the finishes were just ridiculous. A pump and one double drive. What am I saying? Pump and one double drive. An and one double pump layup over uh, over Bradley Roby. I want to, is Bradley Roby a football player? I think Isaiah Roby is the basketball player. But anyways, he got it over Roby. Um, he had a ni- nice little play where Fournier set his screen and the Thunder tried to switch it, but RJ just beat the switch, double team at the rim, ball up high, finish right through it, um, snake dribble into a runner uh, across the lane, a hezzy into a righty Euro. Uh, you just, you want you want more of that guy, right? Final one, a sick move, like kind of running back style, took the ball into the lane. I remember he always did that his first year in the league. Haven't seen it as much recently, a little bit last year, and then switched hands at the last possible second for the lefty lay. Uh, it was it was the full package from RJ Barrett. It was all I could have hoped for in terms of his finishing. And all I got to say is I hope it is here to stay because when he is finishing like that, he is a different player. It opens up every other aspect of his game. Um, and then on the nights, the three point shooting is there as well. He will look like a star instead of just a role player. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, not after this break, after the second one, but we're going to take a break regardless. And uh, let's see what we're going to talk about. We are going to tell you more about our title sponsor in prize picks you've been hearing me tell you about prize picks for months have you signed up yet prize picks is daily fantasy made easy if you have not checked it out you're missing out i'm telling you you're going to love this app for nba and mixed sports pickums prize picks is the best nba dfs prop game on the market prize picks offers more nba props than 
any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. All of the users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. So just be sure to use promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over or under on their projection and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries, so you can take the over on R.J. Barrett made threes on a night. I have a feeling he's going to get hot sometime soon, and you can take the under on Julius Randle turnovers. That's if you're feeling really lucky. Use the award ring app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. I just realized for the mixed board entry, I was supposed to mention a different one. So uh, let's just say uh, Mike Lennon turnovers instead of Julius Randle turnovers. We'll go with that. So go to prizepicks.com today and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. And with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks, your favorite daily New York Knicks podcast. There just aren't, there aren't that many that do it daily, right? It's It's not... It's not the hardest thing in the world. Uh, please uh, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. I, I never, I can never say that enough. That'll make a really, really, really substantial difference. We're trying to get up to 8,000 subscribers. We're, we're a little over 500 right now. So those of you who haven't yet, it really just takes a second. Uh, it will it will make my 2022 better than my 2021. Uh, the New York Knicks. All right, we covered, we covered RJ Barrett. We'll get to a question about him in the... Third segment, but I want to talk about Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly. This was this was their game, in my mind, to show the world, right? And look, it's partially on Tibbs. I don't really get why he started Deuce over quickly. Maybe I, I think if I'm guessing, the reason was to guard Shea Gilgis Alexander. Probably should have been an assignment for Alec Burks because and, and Burks didn't start either. I would have probably started Burks as well. Um, I, I, I understand wanting to maintain the continuity of the bench unit, but this felt like, again, the quote unquote, all hands on deck kind of game. I feel like I, I was talking on this pod. I always loved to have the Spurs in big playoff games, right. Or, or really big regular season games. Sometimes I don't know if they did in regular season games, but go to manage and as a starter. Right. And they're saying, all right, we're pulling out the big guns. Like this is, you're getting our absolute best shot tonight. Uh, I think the Knicks needed to do that down Kemba Walker, down Julius Randle. They need as much creativity in the starting lineup as possible. Uh, get Emmanuel quickly in there. Get Alec Burks in there because Evan Fournier, I, I think, was uh, Wally said something about him dealing with an ankle issue. He just didn't have it. Um, and I think when Tibbs did in the fourth quarter, it was a little too little too late. And again, McBride was not ready to handle SGA. He, he torched him a couple of times. Nothing against McBride. That's SGA, one of flat out one of the best scorers on planet Earth right now. Long winded way of saying this should have been Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly's night. Uh, they, we, we've been looking all year for those two. I've been looking all year for those two to have the opportunity to come out and shine and just put on a show. They, they put on a show. They put on a, a, a mini show every game. They deserved a chance for a full blow it out three hour Broadway musical. Maybe there's a part one in the afternoon. You, you go home, you take a nap, you come back at night for part two, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child style. I don't know, but they, 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 ha- they deserve their chance for that. And they both kind of sort of blew it. I mean, maybe Obi should have gotten the ball more, but he was just one for four, three for six from three. I uh, three for six, not from three, from the free throw line. Um, and I, I liked he he had real moments in this game, right? I, I loved him attacking from the wing and and, and using his size and, and that start and stop ability to get all the way to the basket. He drew a foul on like a really nice little like like inside pivot, reverse pivot in the post and using his strength. And he just looks more confident in terms of strength. He looks more confident in terms of going quickly. 
all those things are really, really exciting. But this is still a dude who over 80% of his shots are assisted by other players. So that when, when, when all of us call for him to just flat out replace Julius Randle, uh, that's the issue with it, right? He, he can be a Julius Randle type impact offensive player if he's playing with Steph Curry or Damian Lillard or Luka Doncic or, or, or one of the, one of the transcendent automatically draws a double team every time you set a pick for them guys in the NBA. If he's not playing with someone like that, he's, he's not going to be uh, a much not, screw a fulcrum. He's not going to be the secondary option on your offense because his game just isn't geared that way and isn't, isn't developed nearly to that extent. So for all the Julius Randall haters, me amongst them, sometimes uh, there's, there, there's his value right there because Obi does not provide that yet. And we got evidence of that tonight. And that is not a knock on Obi Toppin. That is just who he is. Emmanuel quickly is just poor shooting. I think my one thing with quickly is I want to see a little bit more substance over style at times. He, he just, he like, like when he takes the, like he, he got, he got a switch on, I want to say, um, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? Uh, the the Thunder big guy who Mike Muscala, yeah, there we go. Um, I I knew who that was. Um, he he switched that onto quickly on the perimeter and quickly should have like like torched his ass right, like crossover speed right by him into the lane, running layup. It's a play we've seen quickly make a whole lot of times this year. Finish with a floater if someone else comes up to contest. Throw a pass if someone contests really hard and really early. Um, but instead, quickly just sort of dances into a step back three. And I think he's he's taking heat checks before he has any heat. And and, and that I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I, I've always said he's better when he has a little bit of swagger to him. And maybe that's too much swagger. Maybe it is preemptive swagger. It is it is hard to pin down for Emmanuel quickly. Um, but he did not have the juice. He did not have the shooting tonight. And I think that will I think that will come around, right? He's still he's coming off of of COVID, so we got to give him some time. We got to give him some patience. Uh, that's not to say that he didn't have uh, good moments in this game. Had, had a nice like top of the key jumper, good floater, um, and he just uh, oh yeah, he had he caught Poku on, on on a really good pump fake, let him fly by and drained a wing three. Uh, but it wasn't enough for Emmanuel quickly tonight, right? I I wanted those two to put on a show against this Thunder team, and they. I think they were just lacking for their normal energy after playing um, a, a larger than usual role, both in terms of, of minutes and responsibility against the Detroit Pistons. That And that makes sense. But those two guys, we need to see more from them to warrant all the praise we have been throwing in their general direction. All right. Uh, to wrap up this second segment, uh, Quentin Grimes, just one for six from three. Uh, I think he's maybe hitting a little bit of a wall. I mean, that wall might just be, again, having just had COVID. Did have four rebounds, did have two assists, did not take a shot that wasn't a three-pointer. And to me, that's starting to become a little bit of an issue with him where he's he's a bit one-dimensional. And we all love that dimension, right? If he if he continues to hit 40% on an insanely high volume of threes, then yeah, that can be that can be the one thing he does for for the indefinite future. But we know we know there's more in there, right? This is a guy who's a five-star point guard at a high school was was like many people thought I read uh, my friend, Scott Chasen uh, shared an old feature. He wrote on Grimes. I encourage everyone to go follow Scott on Twitter and check it out. It's really, really good um, about how people across college basketball expected Grimes to be perhaps the best player in the country as a freshman. Like he, he was a guy with like, you, you need, you need to have off the dribble zip to be in that category. If, if you're not, a, if you're not a big man and, and Grimes certainly has had that at previous levels. We've seen it at this level, like the, the first game where he really 
came out, the, the 27 point outing where he had that gorgeous drive. And I, I want to say it was to Mitch that, that last second dump off. He can do that. And obviously it, it's a lot easier to drive closeouts when, when you're already hitting five out of five from three and, and defenders are, are sprinting at you with their hair on fire. But I, I want him to start looking for that because I, I think he can beat guys off the dribble when they're coming at him with some momentum. And, and tonight he was, he was just pretty focused on getting those threes up. And, and look, if they're half decent looks, I don't mind. That's, that's probably the more efficient shot for him. But I, I think a little bit of variety would serve his game well. All right, we're going to take our second break. We're going to tell you about Built Bar, and then we'll come back and answer some of your questions to wrap up this show. So it's the new year. It's the new year. Oh, wow, it is the new year. I'm recording this at 12.02. I didn't even notice. I passed into 2022 with you guys. That's amazing. Uh, but yeah, it, it's literally the new year. So that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to, I don't know what that voice was, because you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. Yuck. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets boring. By like week three, you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 grams or 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all those sugary or calorie-filled snacks and replace them with Built Bar. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That's when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, so you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberries, cakes and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code Locked on, uh, excuse me, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your order using promo code LOCK15. All right, that's the end of the second break. We are back on the Locked On Knicks podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, welcoming uh, 2022 in with me. That was, uh, that was a cool moment. I've never, I, I've never been on the air for, uh, for a new year. Uh, anyways, uh, let's, let's, let's get some participation from, from the audience going. Uh, I'm just going to roll through on Twitter because we got a decent amount of responses. I asked two questions. I said, uh, what do you guys want me to talk about? And also just a general mailbag solicitation. Uh, first one from Larry Israel at Larry Israel too. How great this team is without Julius and Cedric or yeah, Cedric 13 at C13 alum, uh, said that Julius is actually important because he draws attention. Dot, 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 ominous, dot, 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 implying that I'm an idiot. Probably right. Um, he says correctly that Julius is important. I agree that Julius is important. And that's why Tibbs puts up with all the crap from him. He, he's the only fulcrum on the roster when you take Rose out and when Kemba isn't exactly rolling. Um, I don't think I've ever denied that. If, if I did, then I was I was wrong um, because that that is a that's a fact. Um, all the stuff we're complaining about with Julius Randle, that's that's also factual, right? He's he's been He's not played exceptionally hard at various points this year. His shooting has regressed immensely. He's been extremely indecisive. Also all real. He can be important and he can be very, very flawed. Both those things can be true. The reason we're always complaining about be him being very, very flawed is because he is so important. And just his his baseline of being there is essential to this next team functioning, which is why, again, Tibbs can't, isn't going to 
all of a sudden sacrifice a ton of his minutes for Obi Toppin. I think there's a case for sacrificing more. And, and to some extent, that's, that's partially about Obi Toppin and what Obi Toppin can bring, especially with bench-heavy units. And that's partially about Randall, I think, would just be better playing less minutes and, and having more energy to get done all the little things that he's he's been missing at points this year. So there, there's a little bit of, of nuance to that conversation, guys. Um, Elsie Hunt, uh, not to overreact, this team has been running the offense through one person for years now. Let them find their flow. But I was not to overreact to tonight's game. I agree. I think they're retired, and I think that's a good point as well. It's, it's a big adjustment when all of a sudden you don't know who you're tossing the ball to at the end of a shot clock, and you don't know who you're giving the ball to to initiate offense. Uh, Yale7 at Yale714 asks, why does Tibbs hate Obi still not getting the minutes his play deserves? Um. Why does Tibbs hate Obi? Uh, I wish I had an answer for you. I think it's just because he loves Julius and Obi is not an answer defensively for him at center. That is, isn't acceptable. And I think it's, I think it's pretty simple. I don't think, I don't think he hates Obi. I think he really likes Obi. All right. Uh, let's scroll up. Uh, Steel at Kel S. Stizzle. Great name. Is RJ officially a role player prospect? If not, what can he excel at? Uh, I think Arjun's 21, right? I don't I don't think he's officially anything yet. I, I know at times I'm down on him and I, I kind of talk the same way saying like, yeah, is this guy probably going to be a role player? I think that's the most likely outcome for him because he he hasn't shown like one star element of his game. He's jack of all trades, master of none. What he showed tonight looked like a star. Can he do that for 10 games, for 20 games, for 30 games? I doubt it because we haven't seen it yet, but he's 21 and he's extremely hardworking and he has, he does have quite a bit of talent. So I don't want to, I don't want to put a cap on the guy yet. I think, I think there's still, there's still a world where he's an all-star. There's a world where he's something less than an all-star and really, really valuable despite it. There's a world where he should be making a hundred million dollars for five years and he's not an all-star, but he's a, he's a fantastic starter. Uh, and, and that's, that's just fine if that's the outcome for RJ Barrett, but we, we, we don't know yet. All right. Um, Real K at Real K1. Knicks were clearly missing 19.3 points per game tonight. The body language in the fourth was bad. As early as six minutes on the clock, down single digits. Fournier felt invisible as, as usual. I've come to realize the Knicks front office has to start considering a trade if they are still thinking playoffs. A lot of good points there. I, I think absolutely. I think if this team wants to get out of the plan, there's going to have to be some kind of trade. This version of the New York Knicks is not, I, I, I don't want to say is not going to get out of the plan. I will say if they get out of the plan, uh, they will not win more than one game in in the first round, right? I think that's the ceiling of this team. One one win in round number one without a trade, and that probably means trying to get Miles Turner. Maybe there's another name that emerges that can help this team, but I just don't see all that many guys available. And I think the Knicks would be prudent to probably sit on their chips because even if you get a Miles Turner, then their ceiling is maybe game six. In round number one, a game seven in round number one, it's not really worth giving up anything meaningful uh, or any young asset unless that's someone that you want to resign and you see a long-term part of your future. That is a, a different conversation, a different story, but I don't really think that this front office should be making any plans around winning this season because there is a definite ceiling on that regardless. Uh, Spanish Harlem alum at Paul B. Diaz wants to know, OKC youth is very good. They just don't have enough stabilizing vets the way the Knicks do. I agree. I love OKC. OKC, I think uh, Mark Dagnalt, whose name I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering, which I'm saying it different than Mike Breen said it. Um, I think he's one of the better coaches in the NBA. That, that team for two years now has won a whole lot of games that their their talent, or at least their roster and, and their experience, says they have no business winning. 
Uh, Shea Gilders Alexander is a lit is a legit mega mega star, uh, and it, you can't call him anything else. The guy's insane. Anyone who watched tonight's game just see. I mean, he, he truly, truly, truly plays at his own pace, and it doesn't matter. He gets where he wants. He and he, he makes a whole lot of shots once he does. So I'm I'm a big fan of Oklahoma City's talent too. Uh, Colonial Bacher at Colonial uh, at uh, oh sorry, uh, Colonel Bacher. I don't know why. I, read it that way. Colin Elbacher. Uh, why does nobody on the Knicks want to defend the three anymore? Do we need Reggie Bullock back? Uh, I think it's, I think it's a lack of accountability. And I guess that's a weird thing to say about a whole team, but I just, I don't know. I think, I think Tibbs has to be really like zero tolerance on that stuff. And I think this is a team, I think that's hard to do when it's everyone, right? Because you, you can't, you can't play no one. Um, and this is a team that just gives up at points. And tonight I think was exhausted and, it's been a stress. It's been a stressful few weeks, right? I don't really, I don't really put on the guys. I think, I think they're all worn down. I think a little bit of a break um, after tonight's game, get, getting Saturday off. Uh, they'll come back and you'll see a, a refreshed team on Sunday, or if, if not, maybe sometime next week. All right. Uh, that's it guys. That, that's everything. But uh, thank you so, so much. I should have said this at the top of the show for, for everyone still listening. Thank you so, so much for tuning in throughout all of 2021. Uh, a very tough year for me personally, one, one of the worst years of my life. And uh, locked doing this podcast made it uh, very, very, very bearable. And all the fan interaction, all the messages that uh, I've gotten and, and Alex has gotten over over this year and, and all the years uh, when people say they, they enjoy the pod and, and they say they listen to it and going to work or listen to it in the car or listen to it with their kids. Uh, or, or finding out that people listen in different countries or even different states. Uh, all of that uh, means the absolute world, and I, I get I get such a kick out of it. And it it makes it it makes it really 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 worth doing and worth putting effort into. And I know uh, I can speak for Alex that in 2022 we're going to try and take it up another level. Um, try and work harder on it. Uh, me me in particular. I, I know that's something that I've really been emphasizing in my own life because this is something I am really passionate about and I want to put the equivalent work into it. So we're going to try and make it all that much sharper, that much better, better guests, better content, uh, better stats. Um, yeah, better, better everything. But, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who listened, uh, all throughout 2021. And I wish you all a fantastic, safe and healthy 2022. So until next time, Gavin Shaw. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.